Welcome to Wilton's Music Hall podcast, bringing to life the extraordinary history of the oldest grand music hall in the world. And it's present as a world-class theatre and music venue. It is a co-production with The Roundhouse. My name is Max Levine. In this episode, we're talking about the role Wilton's has in the history of women and the incredible performers that trod and tread the boards. We'll find out about flying gymnasts with secret identities and ask whether our old music hall was home to more than just theatre and music. But before that, I'd like to introduce you to someone very special. Carol is Wilton's historian and researcher. She holds the keys to the building's secrets, but she knows Whitechapel for more reasons than just an old music hall. I was a neighbour of Wilton's until I was 10 years old. I didn't know Wilton's was here. Then I went away. In fact, something I had in common with Wilton's in a sense, because when the LCC came along with their plans for slum clearance, road widening and redevelopment, and I mention all three because not all the houses that they knocked down were slums, um, that, I say that on behalf of my mother, She's not here to say it herself. In that program, in the first phase, my end of Cable Street, the houses were demolished and then the Wilton's end were due to be demolished. One of the most talked about characters in Wilton's history is Madame Senya. I asked Carol if she could tell me a bit more about this mysterious acrobat. Who, who was Madame Senya? Oh, that's a, good, that's a good question, because that's not the first question about Madame Senya. Because what comes first are just sort of little bits of information. Monsieur and Madame Senya. So it's Madame Elizabeth Senya and Monsieur Samuel Senya. And they were stars of the London stage for less than a year, from March to October 1868. She described herself as the wonder of 68, and her first advert was headed novelty, novelty, novelty. Um, the reason for the novelty was that Victorian audiences hadn't yet got used to women trapeze artists, women gymnasts. It bothered them that women might not have enough strength to do these gymnastic feats, it also bothered them that women might be pregnant. And by 1868, they hadn't forgotten there was um, a great tragedy when a woman who'd worked under the name of the female Blondin fell off a trapeze and she was seven months pregnant with her eighth child at the time. So the reason, though, that my attention and people's attention has been, in general, have been drawn to Madame Senya, is that she appeared during this year, 1868, as the top of the bill on a very rare surviving program cover for Wilton's in what was the final season of John Wilton's time as a manager and proprietor here. The scale of Wilton's Grand Hall means it can accommodate all kinds of spectacles of human strength. But Madame Senya was famous for one particular feat. She represents a large number of trapeze artists who transformed 
Wilton's barrow vaulted ceiling into a, a big top and describing and the maneuver that was, just, was known as the long flight across the hall really brings the hall to life. And I do have a description of the long flight. In the great act, the gentleman hangs upside down over the stage, holding a trapeze in his hands. And the lady stands perched up above the people in the gallery at the other end of the hall. She clutches two rings, gives herself a swing, and letting go the ropes, catches the trapeze at the other end, and after sundry evolutions in the air, gracefully alights on the stage amidst the acclamations of the delighted spectators. Monsieur Senya's muscular strength is severely taxed, for suspended by his feet, he hangs head downwards and holds a trapeze bar upon which Madame goes through certain evolutions which occupy many minutes in their performance. She concludes with one variety of the drop, that is to say, she suddenly slides from the bar and clings to it by her feet only. The surprise is managed with unusual abruptness and the effect is startling to say the least. Carol put me in touch with someone that could tell me a bit more about life as a music hall performer. Alison is a volunteer and member of the Wilton's Choir, who I soon found out had music hall running in her veins. I've always been aware that my grandmother was an actress in musicals in the 1920s and her parents had been music hall performers and her aunts and uncles and her grandparents too. While performers like Madame Senya enjoyed headline spots, many struggled to shake off some of the more negative associations working in a music hall brought. I asked Alison what happened when her grandparents, Violet and Larry, visited Liverpool. Larry was billed to appear at the Olympia in West Derby Road in Liverpool, Everton area. I can't actually find where Violet was performing for that week. It's possible she didn't have a booking. Her sister Daisy was performing just across the Mersey at the Argyle Theatre Birkenhead, so maybe she wanted to catch up with Daisy. Anyway, one, one night in that week, she was making her way home from somewhere and she was stopped by Liverpool City Police. I'm not sure of the exact series of events, but she was accused of prostitution. Violet was outraged. I don't know whether they took her back to the police station or how far it went, but she instructed solicitors to demand an apology and an apology she got. I still have the letter from Liverpool City Police, uh, which they'd sent her by the end of that week. And Violet had instructed um, a firm of Liverpool solicitors called Quilliam and Son, who, who were well known for being a quality outfit. So there, there must have been some seriousness uh, to the allegation. But anyway, this is, this is the letter. It was sent to Violet. Dear Mrs. Larry Lewis, knee Violet Stockwell. We, the undersigned police constables, beg to apologise for the mistake we made with regard to yourself on Tuesday night last in London Road, Liverpool, and regret the inconvenience we put you to. We acknowledge that our action was the result of a deplorable error and quite unjustified. This apology to be published in the Liverpool Express, the ERA and the Encore at our expense. We also agree to pay your legal costs." dated Liverpool, 25th of October 1912, and signed by 
Harry Greenwood and Arthur Borthwick of Liverpool City Police. So what I'm beginning to understand about my great-grandmother, she was quite determined and um, she wasn't going to let anybody walk all over her. And an arrest like this could have spelt the end of her career, particularly when music halls were looking for respectability. Only earlier that year, the Royal Variety performance had been held in London and respectability was within touching distance. Before the theatrical rumour mill got going, Violet would have wanted to make sure that, that her name was cleared. Alison on her family history and her wrongfully accused ancestor. Many female performers battled against the assumptions made about Music Hall. Jenny Hill is one of those. And luckily, Carol knows all about her. She's important for Wiltons because she's one of this first generation of of working-class stars who began their careers in working-class halls like Wiltons. The theatre manager... John Hollingshead called her one of the greatest female geniuses who ever appeared on the musical stage. Musical was one of the only professions where women could not only make an independent career for themselves, but be the equal of men in payment and status. She had a long line of agents who she sacked when she found them unsatisfactory. So she may well have been an inspiration for the working-class women that she was performing for. Most of her songs were about working-class life, particularly women's lives. And her songs had titles such as The Coffee Shop Girl, The Lodging House Drudge. And she may have been drawing on her own experience when she sang these songs because from her own account of her early life, She had been in virtual slavery to um, the man she was apprenticed to in a Bradford tavern. And a typical song that she sang at Wilton's in 1877, one of her songs of downtrodden women, was, I've been a good woman to you. I've been a good woman to you. The neighbours all know that it's true. You go to the pub and you blew the kid's grub. But I've been a good woman to you. She was called the vital spark because she was full of bounce and described as a ball of nervous energy. John Major described her as a trailblazer for feminism. She was a tiny bird-like woman who had a hard life and she's been compared with Edith Piaf. One reason why we're interested in Jenny Hill is that she would have been a star in any generation. Wilton's was home to some of the most outstanding female performers of the era. But I'd also heard that Grace's Alley was host to some darker operations as well. So I asked Carol if she knew anything about the rumours that Wilton's was once a brothel. Was it a respectable musical providing harmless and uplifting entertainment for working-class people, as John Wilson claimed, or was the music hall a cover for a more glorified brothel or, as you, Max, so delicately put it, a location for prostitution? 
So the first thing to rule out is it being a brothel in any formal sense of the word. In as much as I don't think there was a madam sitting at the desk saying, do you want to see the music hall or do you want to book a room for an hour or whatever. Though there are stories that the small rooms in the houses along Grace's Alley, the supper rooms, were used for that purpose. But John Wilson spent somewhere between £10,000 and £20,000 building and decorating his music hall in 1859. He had, a, had to license his hall every year before the bench of local magistrates, and he was commended every year for running a well-conducted and orderly house in a proverbially difficult neighbourhood. Wilton's was even called at one point the most difficult hall to manage in the whole eastern end of London, which in a way was puzzling. Why, why was it so difficult? And I think the answer is that people saw that there was a problem there, but they couldn't really get a handle on why. So Wilton's wasn't a brothel, but it was a place that attracted prostitutes and where they met their sailor clients, often in a very friendly and informal way. And so I can quote to you from an article by Tom, a journalist of the time called Thomas Archer. He talks about coming to Wilton's around 10 o'clock one evening, and he calls it the Great Music Hall round here near Wellclose Square. He says that he saw a score of flashily dressed women, hard of feature and unflinching of eye. And he also says that often these girls would meet up with the same sailor when he was back in port and even stay with them. So they were like sort of girlfriends and even stay with them when their money ran out. So it turns out our old music hall on Grace's Alley was the home to a whole host of late Victorian entertainment. But what about Wilton's today and its future? Holly Kendrick is the executive director at Wilton's. I um, oversee the running of Wilton's, which um, is everything from uh, the programming of the hall, our commercial activities, um, our community strand, and obviously um, looking at the finances, both income and expenditure. I asked Holly if there were any female performers she was really excited about seeing. I think there are, there are so many. I think the proms is littered with extraordinarily talented women. Zigazaga, which is National Youth Theatre, has got 50 young people in it, of which, you know, I would hope at least 50% will be women and incredibly exciting. Um, our Christmas show, um, which we'll be announcing very soon, um, we've pledged that in terms of the creative team, um, we want it to be 50-50 male, female, because um, I think we all feel very strongly about that. And I was very lucky to be on the board of Sheffield Theatres when Daniel Evans was there, who instigated the idea of 50-50 casting. Um, and I'm on the board for Act for Change, so it's very close to my heart. Um, and always always in the back of my mind um, that there are exceptional females working in every strand of this industry and, and you know we need to continue to celebrate that and 
and programme them. Holly, on her vision of the future of Wilton's. That's it for this episode. Some of the live jazz was taken from Wilton's cocktail bar. You can check out what gigs are on by visiting Wilton's website, both in the bar and in the Grand Hall. Thanks for listening and goodbye from Grace's Alley. Wilton's musical podcast was produced and presented by me, Max Levine, with support from David Graham. It is a special co-production between the Roundhouse and Wilton's Music Hall.